Market on 1350 ESPN. Happy Friday. Welcome in here on Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket's busy show coming up. We'll get to what happened to Big 12 Media Day. Every Iowa State fan going crazy for the comments from head coach Matt Campbell. Plus, apparently Tom Brady is better than everybody on one leg. Uh, but joining me right now, I want to kick it off. We have started talking a lot of football here in the offseason. NFL training camps are rolling up, uh, are rolling towards us, I guess. Uh, we have hit the Big Five so far. We've hit the Chiefs. We've hit the Packers. Joining us right now to talk some Dallas Cowboys. You see her fine work on uh, DallasCowboys.com. Also, her podcast, Girls Talking Boys, on Twitter. You can follow her at Kelsey Charles. Kelsey, thank you so much for the time. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, six and ten last year. I know that uh, <laughs> that's not the standard, although I won't lie. I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. There are Chiefs fans, oh. Vikings fans all over here in Des Moines. A lot of Cowboys fans. Uh, a lot of people are like, hmm, 6-10. and 10. That actually kind of sounds like what Dallas has been the last two decades. So where, where is everybody at in Dallas with another 6-10? and 10? And I know what happened to Dak. Yeah, I mean, listen, it depends on what side of the storyline you want to err on. Do you want to go ahead and subscribe to, dare I say, the excuses in that narrative? And, and you know, listen, losing your quarterback and having eight different rotations of offensive linemen losing your, you know, your all-pro left tackle, none of those are things to scoff at. So let me just first say that. But also, per your point, this team hasn't won a Super Bowl in a really hot minute. And so <laughs> I think it's very worthy of adding in that color commentary when you are making such analysis when you're talking about this team. So, you know, I kind of, I, I kind of pick and choose a little bit of both of those and mash together my final opinion. But, yeah, let me, in short, it wasn't great last year. So, it can only go up from here, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think in, the, in my 30 years of watching the National Football League, I don't think I've ever seen an entire sport rally around a single guy getting hurt as when D Dak Prescott's leg went sideways midway through the first half of the season. And I just, everybody on Twitter, every sport, every athlete, from LeBron James to Ed Patrick Mahomes, everybody was worried because everybody knew Dak was about to get that massive payday. And he still got a massive payday. So where is Dak at in his rehab? And the expectation level for him has to be through the roof coming back. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that you mentioned how everyone rallied around him. I think that's one of the things about Dak is he's just such a leader. I actually, have, I, I work in sports marketing in my 9 to 5, and I work with him in a professional setting too. And he's just one of those guys that is exactly how he comes off. He's very real, very authentic, and and really is out there working his butt off to just do the best he can. Like, he desperately wants to win for this team. So it's easy to cheer a guy like that on. And so obviously seeing him go down last year when there were such high expectations, you get new leadership in the building, there's this revitalized energy, and then it just falls flat. It's just so depressing. But um, I can say there's a lot of optimism around, around what he's been able to do thus far. He's, he had a little bit of a setback, had to have a bit of a, a second surgery, if you will, back in the fall. And and that came out pretty recently. But, um, you know, come OTAs, he's running around, and he straight up tells us in the media, he goes, listen, let's bury that narrative already, guys. Like, I'm done. I'm back. I'm good. Like, I am ready for this. He's talking about pressure is a privilege. And, and I personally love that from my quarterback. I love the guy who has a chip on his shoulder when people outside of Dallas are saying, hey, you're not elite. You're not ready. You're not there yet. You probably won't ever be. And he says, okay. I'll take that, and, and I'm going to go ahead and prove you wrong. So I'm here for that type of energy, and coupled with getting everyone back on the field, 
I feel really good about what this team has the potential to do. Again, you know, I think there's a contingency of Cowboys fans that are convinced that Dallas is going to win the Super Bowl every year. But um, <laughs> I feel like they have a pretty good chance of making some decent runs, at least towards the postseason, should everyone kind of gel together with the talent that we have on this field. You can check out Girls Talking Boys, Kelsey Charles. It's her podcast over at blogintheboys.com. And follow her on Twitter at Kelsey underscore Charles. Talking about them boys here on 1350 ESPN in Des Moines. I'm Mike Wicket. More pressure on them this year. Dak Prescott or Mike McCarthy? Ooh, okay. So, huh, you know, obviously Dak got paid. And I think that's just inherently going to bring a ton of pressure. I'll be honest with you. I feel like just in general, Dak faces a lot more of that pressure because of the nature of the position that he plays and the fact that he plays the Dallas Cowboys. I think Mike McCarthy, there's a lot of people who are super WTF after last year. And, <laughs> but I think I'll, I'll be for real with you guys. Jerry is one of those guys who, when he gets a guy, he's like, that's my guy. I'm going to give him a chance to run his offense, run this team. Granted, Mike Nolan, that was a blip on the radar for a hot minute. That was a, a rarity for sure, and I think a necessity in general because no one even knew what, what he was running, including himself, I don't think. So I, I, I feel like I would, I would kind of say Dak in this situation just because of the fact that he feels like he needs to prove something to himself, his teammates, the world, based on coming back from this injury and based on this payday. I think that McCarthy's going to face scrutiny no matter what but I think he's going to be safe for at least another year because, you know, you kind of need three years to be able to truly, truly put together a team. And, and how can you count last year when everything was happening all at once in all the wrong ways? So I think he has some viable excuses, if you will, that he could lay on the table if Jerry were to come, come to him and say, hey, man, it's not working out. He's like, well, how could it have a, with COVID? Hello? So... I'm going to go Dak in that situation. Kelsey, one more on Dak before I move on. Do you yeah. think Dak, do Cowboys fans think Dak, does Cowboy Nation, still one of the most popular franchises in the NFL, even though it pains my green and gold heart to say that, but <laughs> do, do you guys think that Dak is good enough and clutch enough to win a Super Bowl? I'll, I'll tell you what the people in Dallas think, and that's yes. And I think... I always say this, and I learned this from um, you know, some scouts that, I, that I'm friendly with, and, and they said, follow the money. That's how you'll really figure out what people think of an individual athlete. And if $160 million doesn't tell you what this team thinks of Dak Prescott, then I don't know what does. So, yeah, they do believe. And I know ultimately he believes too. And I, I honestly, you know, am I going to go ahead and say that he's elite quite yet? No, I'm not. But I don't think you have to be elite to win a Super Bowl. Tom Brady is the anomaly, you guys. Playing with a, a torn MCL or whatever it was and then carrying the team on his back, that's superhero stuff. And that's fantastic, and I'm happy for him because he's incredible. But I don't think that you have to be Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl. I think you can be darn near close to that or super talented like a Dak Prescott, and I think he can elevate himself to that level and continue to do so. But he's still young in his career, so... You know, yes, I think he can totally do it now. I think he can do it in the future if he continues to develop because he, he just has that it factor, and I think he's willing to put in the work to make it happen. Talking with Kelsey Charles about the Dallas Cowboys. You can watch her video series The Star at Night over at DallasCowboys.com. She's got a podcast, Girls Talking Boys, over at BloggingTheBoys.com. Follow her on Twitter at Kelsey underscore Charles. Uh, for years, I watched Mike McCarthy have an allergic reaction to running the football when he was in Green Bay. <laughs> 
Uh, so I wonder at 244 carries, 979 yards, and six touchdowns, is Zeke Elliott's 2021 going to be better than his 2020? Yeah, I mean, he rushed for like 5,000 yards through his first four NFL seasons. And last year, there was this massive drop-off. I think there's a combination of things behind that. I think you really do. And I think we've learned in Dallas the importance of having a strong O-line. I think you guys in, in, in Green Bay understand that, too. And it, it matters. It matters, you guys. Like, you can only do so much if you're getting obliterated at the line of scrimmage. And I think that's going to be a big difference maker for him this year, having that chemistry, also moving the ball around with, with guys like Tony Pollard where they're becoming threats when you have a C.D. Lamb who's operating in the slot, too. Like, I think these are, these are all weapons where – when you can't just focus on eliminating one part of the Cowboys' offense, it opens up the offense to be able to perform better across the board, Zeke included. So, you know, I feel confident in his abilities. I actually uh, I share a chiropractor with Zeke and Dak, and I was just with him this morning, and he was like, yeah, I mean, the guys are looking great. Like, I, if, if you haven't gone on social media and seen Zeke posting all these videos, granted, <laughs> it, it's not in-game time atmospheres but still like i feel like they are taking this offseason seriously and and i think mike mccarthy is ready and willing to utilize him but also it's not just mike mccarthy it's it's, it's kellen it's kellen moore and I, I i know kellen moore knows what he has in zeke and i think he's itching to get even more creative and use him this upcoming season how much because uh, i i watch mike mccarthy take the play calling and, and then give up the play calling and then take the play calling back. How much influence does Kellen Moore have on what happens in game with head coach Mike McCarthy? I mean, it's, it's Kellen Moore. I, it is. I it really do at this point in time. And that's the thing that's unique about the Cowboys is that I think Jerry Jones' owner is more involved in the day-to-day operations than maybe some other owners are for other teams. And so he said, listen, Kellen's the guy. Kellen's the guy right now. And He's the play caller. So, yeah, Kellen Moore is the final say as of right now. I'm sure if it gets to a position, we saw with Jason Garrett where when his job got on the line, he said, hey, Scott Linehan, appreciate your, your, your service, but I'm going to go ahead and take the reins back because I have to save my butt here for a minute. But that, that isn't the case right now. So, yeah, it, it's Kellen Moore through and through. And I think there's been some really exciting sneaks at what he can do, but I also feel like – he has to continue to feel empowered to do those things because we, we saw glimpses of it, but then, but then there were also moments in time last season and just in practice where we're like, this is the same thing, different day. Like, we're, give us something different. Give us the color. Give us just anything creative. Like, we're begging you. So I think if Kellen Moore feels empowered and really truly does follow through with what his potential ability is, things could be very interesting. You said you mentioned uh, Mike Nolan is gone. Uh, yeah. what, thank God. I mean, yeah. I, that that defense. It, I haven't seen a defense that bad in a, in a long time. Maybe some of those Jacksonville team, whatever. But what yeah. improvements do you think will actually be made on defense? And and who did they bring in, free agent wise, draft wise, to actually improve this defense? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's really difficult to get worse than we had last year. It's over twenty five hundred yards rushing allowed and thirty four passing touchdowns. But I, big, Kelsey, I, in fantasy, I would always pick up who was ever playing the Cowboys. Because and I, that's a <laughs> great strategy, honestly. Right? I, if, I was, if I wanted to lie to you and tell you that I didn't do the exact same thing, 
<laughs> I mean, listen, I love my team, but I'm not stupid. Right. We're talking you know? about dollars and cents and, and trophies and bragging rights here. Pick up the quarterback, even if it's Teddy Bridgewater. Pick up the quarterback who's playing the Cowboys. We, we got things on the line, people. I mean, it was record-setting in all of the wrong ways. So, yeah, I, I feel like, honestly, Dan Quinn has a nice little setup for him because it's not going to be difficult to do better than last year. And I feel like getting all these guys back on the field, you've got, you know, with the draft itself, obviously, you know, there was a lot of talk. We were trying to get some of those corners, and, and it was a big disappointment for a lot of people when when Denver and Carolina took our guys and I'm just a little still bitter about it it's fine though we got Michael Parsons and you know what's cool about him is that I got a chance to talk to his coach over at Penn State and and he's a guy that can put his hand on the ground he can he can put pressure from the outside apply pressure from the inside so he's dangerous across the board and he's ready so I feel like this defense you're going to see Dan Quinn utilize a lot of these new guys take the older guys, even guys like Trayvon Diggs, who are up-and-comers, I think you're going to see a, a big push from him this year. And then he brought out a couple guys that he was familiar with from his Atlanta days. So, you know, you've got some position flex and some guys that can play safety, but also um, outside linebackers. So it's, I, I, we don't have answers there yet, but it feels more promising than what we had last year, which was a whole lot of not even the players knew what they were running and that was very scary to hear come out of their mouth, quite frankly. Talking uh, with Kelsey Charles for another minute here on 1350 ESPN on Twitter at Kelsey underscore Charles, bloggingtheboys.com, talking about those Cowboys who are, for whatever reason, and you, you t- they've done this before, but it, with, the, with the turmoil surrounding the team, with the, the season they had last year, with all the questions about Dak, what the hell are they doing going on hard knocks? <laughs> it's funny you ask this question because... There's a large group of our fan base right now that is up in arms about it. And I have to sit back and I have to ask, wait, you do realize that you cheer for the Dallas Cowboys, right? Like, they're half football team, but they're also half entertainment industry, if you will. Like, this is not new news, you guys. Like, have you stepped into the facility? Do you know anything about who Jerry Jones is? Like, this is so small potatoes compared to a lot of the things that they are enduring every single day. Like, this is not even phasing Zeke. This is not even phasing Dak. None of them are worried about it because it's a part of their daily activities anyways. Like, I just, I I think that we're overplaying that narrative a lot, and I just don't think internally on the team side there's any second thought about it whatsoever because it's just kind of always been a theme and about being a part of the Dallas Cowboys. So, yeah, I mean, I think for sure if they continue to do poorly, then there's going to be increased scrutiny. I mean, 2002 and 2008, that was the last time they did these things. They had terrible seasons. But you know what? They had a terrible season last year. And what about the year before that? So, like, we weren't on TV then, and I don't know what to say because, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I'm, I'm not buying into that narrative. I'm not worried. So, like, let's just sit back, pop some popcorn, and enjoy the ride. Season opens September 9th against Tom Brady and those Buccaneers on the road. Not a bad opener, not a bad litmus test for the Cowboys early on. Kelsey, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Continued success. We'll talk with you down the road. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Kelsey Charles joining us. Again, you can see here, it's got a video series over at DallasCowboys.com, The Star at Night. Her podcast is uh, bloggingtheboys.com. It's called Girls Talking Boys. And follow her on Twitter at Kelsey underscore Charles. She was great. Hope to have her on again. Uh, she was fantastic. All right, so coming up, 
We're going to switch to the college game. We will get to more on Tom Brady, but we'll uh, switch to the college game here because it was Big 12 Media Days this week, and Iowa State was there, and Matt Campbell let off. What did he say? You'll hear from the ISU head coach next. You're listening to Wicket's World on Des Moines, 1350 ESPN. Thirteen fifty ESPN right here in Des Moines. This is Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket. Hello, if you're watching us on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page, make sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at ESPN DSM. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Producer Big Pete is here. Yo yo. And like, you know, I'm all in on the NBA Finals, and the fact that we have the NBA Finals so late this year because of COVID and the late start date, like, this is kind of awesome if yeah. you're a sports fan. You know. Normally, this is what is known as the dead period because, listen, if you're a baseball fan, that's great. we got the Cubs coming up tonight. You know, they're playing out in Arizona. We'll talk about the Cubs trade that was made yesterday. But if you're a, you know, unless you're a diehard baseball fan, this is the dead part of the year, mm-hmm. usually, because the NBA Finals are wrapped up. Hockey fans have their season wrapped up. You know, you've got in between mini camps and then the NFL training camp starts in, what's the date today? The 16th? Yep. Training camps start in two weeks. 10 days, 12 days, whatever they are. And then we roll right into football season, and then it's just the best time of the year. Mm-hmm. It's fall and winter for, for sports fans, I think. But because of the, the weird schedule, because we started the NBA so late, and I don't think this is something they're going to keep doing because I would love it if they did, but we have got ba- NBA basketball potentially, let's say they play game five tomorrow, game six I think is Tuesday, and then when is game? When would game seven be if we get to a game seven? Is that next Saturday? Well, they want that, they wouldn't on, want it on a Friday night, I would think. Yeah. They would want it on a Saturday night or a Sunday night, but Tuesday, Thursday? I don't know. I haven't looked at the schedule. Mm-hmm. But this is awesome <laughs> because we have sports that we all care about, for the most part, rolling right through. I know ratings aren't great because it's Phoenix and Milwaukee, but... This is great because we have all these sports we care about just butting right up against each other. Camps open next week, and then boom, it's football. And, and you know, college camps are opening up. We've got media days. Big 10 media days are coming up. Big 12 media days just happened for college football down in Dallas. Ironic, we just talked to Kelsey Charles, who was joining us from Dallas about the Cowboys. Uh, and now we're going to talk about some Big 12 football because Iowa State's Matt Campbell led the way. He was the first guy in front of the microphones. And we're going to hear from Brees Hall coming up the All-American running back in a moment. But just to have football in the air right now, and you can, you can feel it, you can sense it. It's like, if we can just get through July. And here in Iowa, it's like, get through July, get to fall camp for, for the Hawkeyes and for the Cyclones, then state fair, and then boom! Kids yeah. go back to school and it's football season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but Matt Campbell did go to the podium yesterday, uh, or two days ago, and he said a lot of great things, including the program... <laughs> I love this. There's a lot riding on this guy, riding on the back of quarterback Brock Purdy. You know, but, but when you talk about Brock Purdy, I think you, you talk about where our program has come and the growth we've been able to make. It's literally been on the coattails of Brock Purdy. And we wouldn't be where we're at today without his consistency and his leadership. It's interesting he used the word consistency. That was the one thing that Brock Purdy struggled with last year was consistency. Playing full four quarters of football mistake-free. 
That's what I want to see out of Brock Purdy this year. Can Purdy take that next step? I don't think anybody's talking about Brock Purdy for the Heisman. I don't think anybody's talking about Brock Purdy for Big 12 Player of the Year. I think it starts with Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma. Then it gets to Brees Hall. Then he can sprinkle in others. Purdy's name is on the outside looking in. But if he can be great or very good to great for most of the season, then you're talking about a guy who could live up to those expectations and when what Matt Campbell was talking about right there. This quote, though, if you want to talk about a perfect quote for sports media to soak up, it was this one surrounding the questions about why Matt Campbell is still at Iowa State. Me, I think, very simply put, you know, I didn't get in this profession um, to be somebody. I got in this profession to do something. And, you know, for me, I've always said, and I tell this to our, I think our society, you're either trying to be somebody else or you're trying to do something. And I think from my end, you know, what I love about football is to teach. That quote right there about, you know, why he got into the profession and trying to be somebody and everything. I just know that every Iowa State fan, when they read it or they heard it or they saw it, was just like, that inject that right into my Iowa State veins. <laughs> because he had offers everywhere. I mean, we heard, we talked about this, that Matt Campbell had an alleged $68 million, a million and $68.5 million offer from the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. Who turns down $68 million Here's to stay in Ames? I don't. No. I wouldn't. Gone. And I was, I was born in Detroit. And Detroit kind of sucks. And the football <laughs> team sucks and, and everything. And it's cold. And, but $68.5 million? That's... If that's real, that's nuts. But that's the dedication he has, apparently, to this program. And I don't know if... Uh, I don't know if, if Iowa State is ever going to rise to the level of being consistently great like Alabama. Yeah. Or Ohio State. Or whoever. But there were, you know, five, six, seven years ago, well, maybe a little longer than that, but Clemson wasn't this elite year-in and year-out powerhouse. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's trying to do at Iowa State what Dabo Sweeney has done at Clemson, and that is build it to, and and again, it's, it's a different world down there in the South. The weather is a lot different. You're playing in the ACC. I, I don't know if it's better or worse than the Big 12, but it would seem like if you're a coach bringing a, an up-and-coming program, a perennial question mark, a doormat, if you will. Look at what Dabo has done. And I'm not a big fan of the way Dabo does everything, but it, look at what Dabo Sweeney has done and mimic that. And maybe that, because I don't see Sweeney going anywhere. No. I feel like he's, I mean, he's always one, two, or three. He's always got the best quarterback in the country coming in. He's always got a great recruiting class. Eight, nine guys get drafted every year off of his roster. Like, Dabo's got a factory rolling down there. And I think that's what Matt Campbell is trying to do uh, in Ames at, at Iowa State. Is he going to be able to recreate that? I don't know, because the big dog in the, in the, in the, the big fish in the pond in the Big 12 is always going to be Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And Texas, if Sark can get that program right, are you going to be able to continue to be really good in the Big 12 if Oklahoma continues to be really good under Lincoln Riley and, and if Texas can rise back up. I mean, they've been so inconsistent. Every time Texas has had a big win in the last four or five years, I always wait for that headline. Is Texas back? Mm-hmm. And the answer is no. <laughs> I got to believe it. I got to see it. It's like they're back, and then, and then, they, and then they leave. Yeah. And then they come back. Yeah, and hey, then, and yeah. then they're gone. It's like they're, they're 0-2. 
Then they beat Oklahoma in the Red River shootout, and they're like, oh, my gosh, Texas is back. We beat Oklahoma. And then they lose to Texas Tech <laughs> the next week. <laughs> Texas Tech. Right? It's always Texas Tech that gets them. Mm-hmm. And it's always like 56-54 and five overtimes or yeah. whatever. And then they come back, and then they beat, like, West Virginia on the road. And you're like, oh, okay, you know, seven and four. Maybe Texas is on the rise. And then they lose in the bowl game to Cal or something. It's always the same story with Texas ever since Mac Brown left uh, forever ago, ever since Vince Young won that national championship by beating USC single-handedly. One more from Matt Campbell because, man, I remember last year, I didn't have a lot of faith in Iowa State going into the year. And they played, was it Louisiana? It was the Raging the Cajuns. The Raging Cajuns. And I'm not a betting man, all right? I'm not real good at betting. But when I do, I make one bet. And I knew Louisiana plus whatever the spread was, like plus 11, mm-hmm. was going to be a good bet. I didn't have a lot of faith at Iowa State. I didn't know how great their year was going to be. I didn't think they were going to go on and win the Fiesta Bowl and beat Oregon like they did. But Louisiana plus 11 was a good bet. Louisiana won that game outright. They open with Northern, then the Cyhawk game. If they can get past Iowa, this is going to be a – that's going to just catapult them to the rest of the year until they see Oklahoma. Now, Matt Campbell was asked about ISU losing one of these early season games. You know, I, I think I would put any issue that we've had on my shoulders because it's probably been a, a failure of mine that we just haven't been able to get off to a good start at times throughout uh, our tenure here. But I think it's certainly something we've looked at holistically, and it's always, man, how do we give our kids the best opportunity to be the best version of themselves they can be? That's the right answer. That's the mm-hmm. answer every coach gives, or at least every coach that is as humble as Matt. Coach yeah. Campbell, well, it's on me. I didn't prepare my team correctly. I, I don't... I, I just go back to that game and how many mistakes that Purdy made, how many offsides penalties that team had in that game. They were not prepared mm-hmm. for Louisiana. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. How are you not prepared, Louisiana? Coming up on the other side, Brees Hall, the All-American running back. He took to the microphone after his head coach, Matt Campbell, was done. Uh, we'll hear what he has to say, including being the best running back in college. How does he feel about that label? That's still to come. My name is Mike Wicked here on 1350 ESPN. Phone lines are open. 515-244-1350. This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. ESPN, Wicket's World. My name is Mike Wicket. Thanks for hanging out here on a Friday. Don't forget Cubs baseball coming up tonight, 8.05 for the pregame. Pat and Ron have the first pitch at 8.40 out in Arizona. We'll talk a little bit about what the Cubs did yesterday. Is this the beginning of the end? Is Chris Bryant the next domino to get dealt out of the Chicago Cubs? We'll get to that coming up right here on 13.50 ESPN. Again, Cubs and Snakes tonight and then again tomorrow it's a day game tomorrow, and then you'll get game five of the NBA Finals right here on 1350 ESPN. If we have time, we'll talk some Bucks and Suns before we get out of here. It's all even at two. Uh, also, in about ten minutes, Tom Brady has apparently been playing on one leg and winning a Super Bowl. So that's just ridiculous. Wrapping up our conversation here about Iowa State and the uh, ISU head coach and running back and Big 12 media days that were going on. Brees Hall, we just talked about Matt Campbell, and we heard uh, from the head coach. But Brees Hall, absolute stud running back for uh, Iowa State. 
Is he the best running back in college football? Probably. Is he the, the front runner for the doke? Probably. What does he think about being the best running back in the country? Um, my approach to the game hasn't really changed. And for me, coming to college, um, I really expected this. Like, I, I, I always dreamed of me being one of the best uh, college football running backs in the country. And, you know, um, one of the reasons why I came to Iowa State is because Coach Campbell told me he was going to make me the best running back in the country. So, for me, I wouldn't say um, it's, not, it's not really a surprise. I kinda, it's just really expected for me. <laughs> I mean, good for that dude for having all the confidence in the world. That's pretty arrogant to say, you know, this is what I expect. Mm -hmm. That's, listen, that's swag, that's confidence, that's whatever you want to call it. That's a pretty amazing uh, soundbite from Brees Hall. Mm -hmm. I expect to be this good, and Matt Campbell told me I was going to be this good, and this is my expectation to be this good. All right, good for you, Brees. Love that confidence. Uh, but if you go back to the Big 12 championship game, Brock Purdy was 27-40 for 322, threw a touchdown, threw three picks. The last interception was, re- was unnecessary. I don't know why he threw that pass when he did, where he did. Uh, and that was one of the things that Brees Hall was asked about, the inconsistency, the struggles of his quarterback, Brock Purdy, in that Big 12 title game. Um, I never really have seen Brock sulk after a game, you know. Obviously, uh, like you said, he didn't perform the way he wanted to. But, you know, we're, at the end of the day, we were still right there and we didn't make enough plays to win the game. But um, just seeing how he was heading into the Fiesta Bowl, he was still confident. Um, he's still the dude. Like, it's Brock Purdy at the end of the day. Like, y'all know what he can do, and I know what he can do. So I always have my confidence in him. So uh, I feel like for him, he just felt like he had to come out and just play his game and he was going to be fine. I'm telling you right now, if Purdy can play consistent football and not have that one touchdown, three interception game against Oklahoma, and if they see Oklahoma twice, you know, in the Big 12 title game and, and in the regular season, you might, I'm, I don't want to throw the word Heisman around, but he, Whoa. he may have to, I mean, look at the schedule they've got. Northern, they should blow Northern out. Iowa and Ames, always going to be a war. I don't expect Iowa State to blow Iowa out. They haven't won in a long time, as a matter of fact. So do I, who do I expect to win? I'll take the home team. Mm-hmm. If the game was at Kinnick, I would take Iowa. But the game is at Ames. It's going to be such a... See, that game right there, and I don't want to blow past the Northern game because it's opening week, in-state rivalry here in the state of Iowa, yada, 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 yada. But that Iowa-Iowa State game, like as soon as the game against Northern goes final and Iowa's game against Indiana goes final in week one, how hyped is this state going to be? Oh, it's insane. <laughs> it's Big, insane. Biggest Seahawks game ever, right? It has to be. And so when you, when you look at the expectation for Iowa, if they win, if they beat Iowa, check that, if Iowa State beats Iowa, then they go to UNLV. You hope that's not a letdown game because that has got trapped letdown game written all over it. You know, you, you beat your in-state rival. You something you haven't done in a long time. You set yourself up on the national stage. Maybe Purdy or Hall is all of a sudden in that, that Heisman conversation. You go out to a terrible UNLV team who's no good. You're playing late night. You're playing in the desert. There's going to be like 17 fans. There's going to be no <laughs> juice in that stadium whatsoever. They have a cannon they light off right before the game kicks. It's a 9:30 game. Oh, my God. It's a 9.30 game oh, in Iowa. Wow. All right? So, good night to a lot of livers and aims. <laughs> okay? <laughs> you, that's a t- I mean, that's got a complete 
trap letdown game. Splat, you know, the red light will say letdown game. Yeah. So if they win, if, if they start out 3-0, and then they go to Baylor, or that should be a win. And then you get into October, and it's Kansas, Kansas State. Kansas, K-State on the road's tricky. And then back home against Oklahoma State. Oh, you, you never know which Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma State can always score 40 points. Mm-hmm. But they always give up 41. And then you got West Virginia, Texas, and then Texas Tech, and the big one against Oklahoma. And then they still have one more before the Big 12 title game. It's TCU. So it's, you know, when you, when you look at Iowa State's schedule, it's got some holes, some, some landmines, some, some tough games on the road to the Oklahoma game. But if they get past Iowa, it just will light off such... I, I, I will be so interested in seeing how the excitement explodes out of Ames, how the hype train builds for the, for the Cyclones, and how Matt Campbell has to be able to manage that. Because mm-hmm. if they're 2-0, and if they're 3-0, and if they're 4-0, that means Purdy's playing well. That means Brees Hall is running wild. That mm-hmm. means this defense, which brings everybody back, including Mike Rose, they're doing their job really, really well. It means that the wide receiving core, who is back, is doing really well. Like, all these guys, Kohler's catching pass after pass after pass. Like, this is setting up for what could be either the best season in the history of Iowa State, or if they stumble, it's a big letdown. Yeah. It's, it could be a big letdown. Season's over at that point? Season's never over in college football in September, unless you're not a Power Five, mm-hmm. you know? But if you lose to Iowa, I mean, they're preseason what? Seven or eight? Is that what they are? Something along those lines. If Iowa State loses to Iowa, you know, they fall to 12, mm-hmm. 13. You can still make that up. There's not a lot of great games to make that up because the Big 12 kind of sucks outside of the, the upper echelon. But there's enough wins where they can still move themselves back into consideration for a big-time bowl or a, a college football playoff berth or whatever. But I'm thinking, like, let's say Iowa State loses to Iowa, right? Yeah. And then Iowa, I don't know, they go, they have a terrible year. They go 6-6. Six and six. Yeah. Do you think that hurts Iowa State more now that they've lost to not a good-ranked yeah, I- Iowa team but a mediocre Iowa team? I, I think an early season, regardless of the schools, I think an early season loss to an in-state rival, like if Michigan loses to Michigan State, not that Michigan's any good, but Michigan State's not any good. It's still an in-state rival. Mm-hmm. I think that that plays a lot into it, but I think if you lose, you know, if you lose to Iowa and you win the rest of the way out, a one-loss Big 12 team, maybe beat Oklahoma two times, mm-hmm. you know, something along those lines, regardless of what Iowa does. You know, if Iowa wins... 30-29 on a last-second field goal, but goes 2-9 and nine this year or 2-10 or whatever, it doesn't really matter as long as Iowa State doesn't fall completely out of the top 25. They'll fall from 8 to 12, and if they win the rest of those games, so many dominoes will fall in front of them or they'll go climb up into 7-8-6 range, something along those lines. Beat Oklahoma twice and you're fine. That's all you got to do. <laughs> it's so easy. Just beat the Sooners two times. It's so easy. You can do it on one leg. <laughs> Speaking of one leg... We've got to talk about old man Tom Brady and how he's going to be better in 2021 than he was in 2020, which is very hard to believe, but it's true. We will uh, tell you why coming up next. Follow us on Twitter at ESPN DSM. This is Wicket's World on Des Moines, 1350 ESPN.
will be 1,000% honest with you. By the way, welcome back in. This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. In Des Moines, I'm Mike Wicket. On Twitter, at Mike Wicket, two T's. Big Pete is on the other side. Pete, what are you on Twitter? Um, I'm at, I think it's just Peter underscore Camp 85. Got it. Yep. I don't tweet a lot, just to let you know, but when I do, what, and follow you'll be there. for those, those good ones. Though. <laughs> <laughs> when I do, they're gold. So, I was unaware of how... I know Tom Brady is great. He's, he's, pretty, the, he's, he's pretty good. He's the GOAT. You know, he's got all the rings. He goes one play. The most amazing thing to me about Tom Brady, I thought, was that Brady said, okay, I'm going to leave or I've won six rings... I'm going to leave New England, and I'm going to go to a brand new city. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I know that I spent most of my career throwing short passes. Yeah, Brady throws a good long ball. Don't, don't, no doubt about that. But you know that when you watch Tom Brady, he threw to Wes Welker 8,000 times, and you know all the different versions of Wes Welker that the, that the New England Patriots had. Mm -hmm. Threw to Gronk forever, threw down in Tampa Bay. But then to go from that offense where he throws most of his passes under 15 yards in the air to then Bruce Arian's system, which is heave the ball down the field, get everybody going vertical, a completely different uh, system to learn. So he goes down to Tampa Bay, and I thought, okay, old man Brady, Sure, he's going to play better at home because it's warmer, whatever. That defense is really good. We knew that. Mm. Not only did Tom Brady, <laughs> you know, play well, Tom Brady played great in a brand-new system. Think about how hard it is for any quarterback to change teams, go to a new system under a new coordinator, under, under a new head coach, and not only play but play well and play great and get his team into the postseason. And then the run that they had – and then to beat my Packers the way that he did. And then to win the MVP in the Super Bowl. Like, all of that is just legendary Tom Brady stuff. It adds to his Hall of Fame. It adds to the lore. It adds to the, the goatness, if that's even a thing. But then this report comes out of Tampa today. And I had, I'm blown away by this. Mm -hmm. Brady just had MCL surgery. He played all of last year on one leg. He played with a busted MCL or a, an injured MCL, however injured it was. A torn medial collateral ligament. That's one of the big three. It's the ACL, the PCL, and the MCL. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what they all do, but I know it's bad when one of them goes. Yeah. Guys don't do that. No. The ACL is usually the killer. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one that allows you to open your... I'm not a doctor. I'm Welcome not even going to speculate. Welcome to Anatomy Talk here on Wicket's World. I don't even... I'm not even <laughs> going to speculate. But Brady put up really good numbers last year. He threw 4,600 yards, 40 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. He was great. Yeah. He was an MVP candidate last year. Faded at the end a little bit. Actually, what, what happened with Brady was he started out slow because he was still learning the offense. You go back and look at what Brady did from, like, week 11 to week 17 last year. It was unbelievable. They didn't have their bye week, if memory serves, till week 13. They were, like, the only team, one of only two teams or whatever, on bye really late in the year. Maybe they were the only team on bye because COVID took another, I don't remember. 
they can't have one team on a bye. There's 32 teams in the NFL, Wicket. But their bye was so late in the year, and people thought that the old man wasn't going to make it, and he was still absolutely fantastic. And to do it all on one leg, and then, and then he has the MCL surgery here in the offseason, and they brought everybody back. First time in Super Bowl history, Super Bowl era history, that they have brought back. The entire team comes back. All 22 starters are coming back for that team that just won the Super Bowl. That's terrifying. Because now in year two, what else is Brady going to know? What else? I mean, I don't know how much more you can cram into that head. Yeah. Because he knows everything about playing quarterback. How much more is Bruce Arians going to drop into sand and say, all right, let's try this. But what Brady did last year already was amazing. And then to learn that he did it with a torn AC or MCL for most of the year, which actually, if you read the story out of the Tampa Times, he did it at the end of the last game of his Patriots career. Oh. So he heard it. So it was hurt all through the offseason. It was hurt in the offseason. It was hurt in the, you know, the COVID offseason, the COVID training camp, whatever. And then he goes and plays one of the best years of his career. So, <laughs> was the, so then was that that Tennessee game where he heard it? Yeah, maybe. Could have been. That's what they say. Wow. It's just unbelievable, That's man. Insane. It's crazy. And, and, and he was the MVP of the Super Bowl at 43. He turns 44 before this year, which is, I mean, how is he still playing this well? <laughs> How, and, and they get Antonio Brown for an entire season. Gronk's going to come back for, with a full off season. All those guys, Chris Godwin should be healthy for that team. Just draft Buccaneers. If you're in a fantasy league, just draft Buccaneers. They're all just going to... Brady's going to be better this year than last year. And what's amazing is two years ago, that last year in New England, how many people were ready to pour dirt on Brady because he looked so bad mm-hmm. that last year when he was in New England. All right, what do I have about a minute and a half here? We got about... About two minutes. You didn't think I was going to get out of here without talking about the NBA Finals, did you? Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to know that the Milwaukee Bucks are now 2-0 and when I wear my new hooded sweatshirt that I got. Mm-hmm. Yep. My new Bucks hoodie came in. I'm not wearing it right now, but the Bucks are now 2-2 two and two with the Phoenix Suns. And what a performance by Chris Middleton, the most befuddling player in the entire NBA, along with Giannis and Dedekumbo. They... Put together a nice one-two punch. Drew Holiday played better. And it's, it's interesting to see the difference from Phoenix at home and Phoenix on the road, just like every team in the NBA. This is, you know, both teams have won their home games. To see the way they execute, to see the way that the Bucks and the Suns play on their home floor versus when they have to go elsewhere. I mean, Phoenix hasn't looked nearly as good in Milwaukee as they mm-hmm. did when they were in Phoenix. Chris Paul, I mean, I think it's time for everybody to pull their pen out and start rewriting their best point guard of all time lists based on the last two games. Because you know that's what they were doing. It was Magic and Steph and the Big O. And you got to throw Chris Paul in there. And people were talking about he's the point guard and how he's the greatest point guard of all time. And he's better than Steph or he's better than Magic. And now he's had two bad games in a row. And everybody's taking that same list. And it's like, okay, time to mess it, change, change that list up. <laughs> Chris Paul is going to be just fine. One of the weaknesses we're seeing is when they, the, the Bucks force him to go left. Mm-hmm. Watch it this weekend. If you watch the game tomorrow night, when they make Chris Paul go left, he's not nearly as good. I hope the Bucks get game five in Phoenix because it's Bucks in six. There we go. Bucks in six. Bucks in six. Bucks in six. One day I'll tell you the history of Bucks in six. Uh, my thanks to Kelsey Charles for joining me. Thanks to Big Pete. ESPN Radio takes you the rest of the way. Cubs 
and snakes later on tonight. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.